we don't want to pay for the future potential of the property, right? We want to be paying for what we're getting today. A lot of times, and this is something you definitely want to be aware of, is that brokers might list the property for what its value could be after all of the improvements have been done. Welcome to School of Success, the podcast that will help you reach your goals and become the success story you've always dreamed of. Join us on our journey as we explore the strategies, tools, and tactics needed to build health, wealth, and personal development. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to living life to its fullest with host Brandon Hicks. So let's get started and make your dreams come true. Welcome back to School of Success. Today we're gonna talk about analyzing a self-storage facility and some of the key documents that we request from brokers and owners so that we can analyze a property and determine if it is a property that we want to make an offer on. So the few documents that we're asking for right away is the offering memorandum, sometimes called the OM for short. We're looking at a T12, which is the trailing 12 months also referred to as a profit and loss statement, and lastly, a rent roll. So those are the three documents that we are looking for. The OM really is this investment summary that the broker puts together. It'll have description on the property, things like age, the roof, where it's located, parcel information, pictures of the facility, work that's been done recently. It will then give you some details on unit mix, how many five by fives, five by tens, and what their current prices are. And it'll usually show you a pro forma that they've put together. And one thing that you'll hear from a lot of experienced investors is you really never want to work off of a broker's pro forma. You really want to just look at it as a nice to see, nice to know, but then you're going to do the analysis and the underwriting with your own information on your own. You're going to research the taxes on your own. You'll research the market and the comps on your own. You'll do all of that on your own. But when you're just doing this first pass, looking through the offering memorandum, so you can see at a high level what their gross revenue is, what expenses they're paying for and how much those expenses are and ultimately what their NOI is. And then usually they'll do a market analysis as well. They'll show you the facilities that are in the area and what they're charging for rent. And they will then use that to determine what the pro forma or the potential is of that facility. Sometimes they'll also provide information on the local market in terms of population size, population growth, median household income, square foot per capita, a few storage specific things, things like that. So that's a high level investment summary overview. And when I'm looking through that, I'm looking just at a high level. What does the facility look like? What type of units are there? Not climate controlled or climate controlled? Do they have parking? Is there an opportunity for expansion? Where are they at from a gross revenue perspective? What are they saying that they could get to in the pro forma? So I'm just looking to see what is the opportunity here. And one thing to keep in mind, again, the broker's incentivized because the more that they can sell the property for, the better their commission will be on that property. So they're generally going to put very favorable numbers in there. But knowing that, I can look at this and say, knowing that the broker is going to put favorable numbers in here, if this still doesn't look good, then I can quickly look at this and move on. One caveat to that though, is that every once in a while you might come across an offering memorandum or a broker who might've made a mistake. They might've missed that the expenses in the market have really risen, or they might've missed that there's expansion opportunity, or they might've missed some value add that you can bring to the table that they didn't think of 
A great example would be a broker might think that the next owner is going to have someone on site full time and payroll will be really high. And because of that, the expenses are actually still kind of high. But for me, if my operation model is to do remote management where we're going to have a boots on the ground person, which is a relatively low expense, we might actually be able to drive those expenses much further down and increase the value well beyond what the broker thought. And so because of that, the current asking price might actually be a really good offer price for us. So you don't want to just skim through this and just take the broker's word for it, but just have that in the back of your mind to be thinking, okay, like, are the assumptions made here? Are they in line with what I would do? If so, are we in the ballpark or are we not? So then what I'll look at is the rent roll or the unit mix. And then that's really showing me what's the current physical occupancy, how many units actually have people in the units. Then you can also see the economic occupancy, which is uh, actually more important because although there might be people in 90% of the units, not all people might be paying or they might be paying lower than the asking rate or the market rate. And so you can start to really get those details and see where all of the units are at. And it's really important to know the unit mix because not every 20,000 square foot facility has the same revenue potential. Smaller units like five by fives, generally you can charge more per square foot than you can larger units. Now you don't just want only small units at your facility. You want a range to meet the needs of your customer base. It might be the case that in your market, 10 by 20s actually are more popular than the five by fives. So having a facility of only five by fives might not be advantageous for you, although generally you can charge a higher rent per square foot. But if nobody wants them, it doesn't matter if you can charge higher rent per square foot. So these are all things you need to be looking at. But once you know that unit mix, you can then go figure out what the average rent of each of those units is in your market. And then you can see your potential. You might be getting 50 cents a square foot at your facility today. But if the market is getting a dollar per square foot, you know that your potential is to double the rents. Now for me, I generally, especially with properties that we are taking over, which are older facilities that we'll have to fix up, you know, we're never going to get them to be that brand new class A facility that was just built. So I'm not going to assume that I can push rates all the way to what extra space and life storage and public storage can get to because we just don't have a brand new facility. So I'm usually scaling that back down and saying, okay, I'm going to get close to market, but I'm going to maybe be 5% or 10% behind. And I'm going to adjust that on a case by case basis. But it's the unit mix from the rent roll and the rent roll that allows you to start really fine tuning those numbers for your underwriting. And then the last piece of information or the last file that you're going to be looking for is that profit and loss statement or that T12. So you can look at the T12 in a number of different ways. I'll look at the trailing 12 months of the rent and the trailing 12 months of expenses to start just to see how rent has changed over the year. Now, we know storage generally in the winter months is a slower season. So you'll probably see a dip in revenue, maybe between November and March. And then you'll start to see it pick up in the April, May, June timeframe. And you can just see kind of the seasonality at this facility. And then you can also see how your expenses change over the year. That's where it would be important to have all 12 months. Another reason it's important to have all 12 months, because sometimes your expenses are not charged monthly and they might be charged twice a year. Like taxes sometimes are charged the first month of the year or the first month and the sixth month of the year. It really depends on the county. But if you were only going to look at the last three months, you might miss those taxes and then think that your expenses at this facility are much lower than they actually are. Another way to look at the T12 is you could look at the trailing three months of rent and then annualize that to a year. Reason you might want to do that is because if the economy is changing, if market is dropping or market's increasing, the last three months might actually be a better indication of what's going to happen in the short term. So by taking the last, say, three months, then multiplying that by four, which would be 
be 12 months in total, you can look at what your T3 annualized is. You actually might see that on an OM. It might be T6 annualized. That basically means they're taking the last six months of data and then they're annualizing it so you can see the estimate of what a year would be if the last six months are repeated over the course of a year. So sometimes I might actually look at the T3 annualized, but again, you need to be careful because if you're coming out of the winter months and that's the slow season for self-storage, you might be thinking that your revenue potential is lower than it actually is. So you just need to be aware of this. But again, the reason you might want to use this is because as like we saw during 2020 and 2021, with a lot of people moving, rents were increasing very, very quickly. And so looking at the course of 12 months might not actually be really indicative of what you could do in the future. But I mentioned because expenses are sometimes a one-time or a couple times a year, I wouldn't just look at the last three months. But you can see because it is broken out by each of the 12 months, if anything has changed over time. And if it has, then you might want to account for that. Like let's say landscaping got much, much more expensive from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Well, you might want to tweak that number and annualize that based off the last few months so that you are accounting for that increase that's been shown. So you get a lot of flexibility in terms of how you can analyze the data when you get those 12 months, but that's something that you want to be keeping in mind. So then once you have that, you can pull all of that information into your underwriting model to determine what the current valuation is of that property. And that's generally what we want to be looking at when we make an offer. We don't want to pay for the future potential of the property, right? We want to be paying for what we're getting today. A lot of times, and this is something you definitely want to be aware of, is that brokers might list the property for what its value could be after all of the improvements have been done. And at first thought that might sound like, well, of course the potential's there. I should have to pay more for that. And I fell into that trap for a little bit, fortunately, before getting burned. But then someone explained to me as, wait a minute, you want me to pay more money for work you haven't done. And then I only hit my returns that I'm projecting if I achieve everything that I've assumed and estimated in my model. No, we're certainly not going to do that. I want to get those returns for the work that I'm doing. I'm not going to give you money for the fact that you've left this potential on the table. So it's something you definitely want to be careful of as well. So that's kind of a summary of the information that you're going to be requesting when you're looking at a deal. Again, you're going to want to get the offering memorandum, the T12, the rent roll, and those three will allow you to get started with the underwriting. I've mentioned in previous episodes, this is the work that we're doing day in and day out. I've got a team that's helping me do this. So we're able to look at so many deals a week, way more than I can do on my own. And so if you are stuck, not sure what assumptions you should be making, if you just want to learn the underwriting, please reach out to me and I'd love to jump on the phone and we can run through a property together so you can start to learn how to do this for yourself. Hey, I appreciate you listening to another episode of School of Success. I'm committed to helping others reach their full potential. So if you found value, please leave a five-star rating and review. With that, we can reach more people and help make their dreams come true.